Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate hi this is ruben off his cheek i'm pat nevin i'm mason mount you're listening to the london is blue podcast all right chelsea fans welcome back to another episode of the london is blue podcast Uh, An exciting one since I know it's only been a few weeks, but the Premier League season is back. And this is our very first official match review. So if you're new to the pod, welcome. We're going to be covering a lot of different parts of this match, including the lineups, the statistics, and breaking down some things. But we always kick it off with your host, as always, Brandon, joined by Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, uh, Dan likes to play this little game called three-word match review. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Uh, talk about engagement in the uh, analytics world, Dan. Uh, you dropped this tweet, and you got what can only be said as a lot of engagement, sir. Well, we got some good ones this week. I, I think I liked the the Sultan of SWAT. Uh, these are all on Twitter. It had uh, chemistry is key, leveraging the key emoji. That was really mm. nice. The uh, uh, Jesper Farse was the adjust, adapt, overcome. So using three words to send a very... Uh-huh pointed message i also uh, I, I think this one is actually ties into nicks a little bit but it's uh supply turbo better mm. for uh timo uh, timo yeah. turbo depending upon which name you're using but i i think there were a lot of really good ones here and you missed the uh, two best also- makachinu oh. <laughs> reese james rocket all right one. like that's, a good one. That, that's that's my b uh my eight was from patrick leary saying great announce mendy <laughs> completely oblivious <laughs> to the match <laughs> I like that one. Uh, so anyways, Dan, you did a great job otherwise putting us out there. The <laughs> tweets were fantastic. But the people want to know what your three-word match review is, Nick. I mean, that's what you're known for. Look, uh, after today's frustrations, uh, I think specifically on the counterattack, release Werner sooner. You have to play him into space. He's quite fast, it turns out. So... Give him the ball early. Let him run. Come on. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's very fair. I said one without injuries. To me, that was Ooh, okay. best, best silver lining besides the three points. Dan, you though, sir. Three points next. Ooh. It's, it it dubs all that matters, man. It's, You're this over is it. extended preseason. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's actually not. I mean, maybe, maybe in preparation standpoint, <laughs> right? Physicality, chemistry. Yes. All right, but before we get into the match, we do have some thank yous, and this Patreon list is absolutely massive. Uh, If you aren't aware, uh, we have a Discord server, so we have Match Day Madness. Everyone's talking during the match. It was amazing, Uh, and our Fantasy Premier League is in there as well, so obviously you'd be joining late, but hey, I missed the deadline, so you can join with me in game week two, and we can catch up uh, with a small deficit because no one won big. Uh, except Dan, which is obnoxious. So, Patreon thank yous to Aiden, Ben, Brent, Canyon, Chase, Dustin, Hobbs, Jack, Jarney, Jamie, Kyle, Michael, Michael, Mike, Peter, Thomas, Zachary. Oh, man, all of you, thank you so much. Uh, I love it when my list is longer than Dan's, because, Dan, you have Apple Podcasts, five-star reviews. Yeah, lots of five-star reviews. Holy crap, you guys are just slaying it at the moment. You heeded Nick's call the last time we had this podcast, and he shamed you, apparently, into leaving a five-star review if you haven't left one already on Apple <laughs> That's Podcasts. That's unlike me, We though. have to thank... 
That's not me. Uh, no, it's totally like you. Action Taxon, Eddie Mick88, Jamber Juice, J Payton27, Kawame uh, Goalkeeper, Magic Man7, uh, Samonsta, The Real Joe Dirt with a U, Nick Lowen, and Poopy Stinks3000. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, we are aware that our primary demographic are males 18 to 32, maybe trending lower on this one. Just, just possibly. I, I, I want to read one, though, that is probably the most epic. And I think this is going to throw out another challenge to people in terms of the uh, Apple podcast reviews that they leave. This as is Nick the is shaking craziest. His head. It's the craziest one we've ever had. It is an all timer. So if you are able to top this. We're interested. Let's go. A Chelsea podcast like no other. 1905 was a year like any other. Uh, There was war and unrest in the cold halls of Russia. A U.S. election had come and gone, yet an event happened on Fulham Road that would change the lives of millions. A blue lion roared in the rising sun. Not many heard it, and it was the first lion that was a small thing. Weak and frail, many would call it a pensioner, leaning on its staff for support. They were not wise and patient like the lion. The lion knew that not all of its hunts would be successful, yet its faith never wavered. After decades of waiting, his children came to him ready to conquer the world. He named them Lampard, Drogba, Terry. Through them he roared. From London he roared his challenge, and Berlin withered under its force. Soon there was time for his children to find new homes. Foolish rivals challenged his right to rule. Rusty cannons leaked rancid oil and calls it Ozil magic. My favorite. Frightened chickens cawed at the London sky, but Cain was ever their bane. They forgot his lineage. They forgot his hunger. That to win was in his DNA. A lion's will to hunt. Chelsea will win. As organized as Roman, a Roman legion, he marshaled his forces. He roared, and his children heard him. Lampard came and called to the others. First he called the youth to arms, those whose blood bled a victorious blue, those who cast their defeated foes on the butcher's hook, those who knew how to conquer. Mount James Abraham! The lion, the lion roared again and heeded its call. Pulisic, Werner, Havertz! They are hungry, and only pure silver will satisfy them. The lion's disciples have ever spread the message. The pride is waiting to surge across the bridge and conquer all of Europe. Listen to the counsel of Brandon, Nick, and Dan. They know the way, and sure in the tempest, ever sure in the tempest. They keep their eyes up, focus on the blue flag flying high. Listen to them sing, hear their message. Blue is the color, and winning is our aim. I absolutely love this podcast and the community they have built and felt so compelled to write a little story. Come and join us on the Patreon and say hi on Discord. Thank you, Gabriel, for that incredible wow. Apple Podcast review. I mean, you've already written half the book, man. You might as well finish it now. I mean, <laughs> go go just polish that bad boy off. So he told me about this last night, but he's having trouble getting it to load. And I was like, oh, I don't know if it's going to happen in time for this one, man. Because there's a character limit in there, man. <laughs> Gabriel, uh, this is absolutely fantastic. I was not even expecting this. I thought you were just going to gas me up or something embarrassing. Uh, unbelievable. So I guess that's our new amazing thing that we can do anytime others of you out there write such amazing just stories. Just absolute amazing. All right. I'm I'm rattled. I gotta I gotta refocus after that. Right. Um, uh, Nick, just plug us. I we need help. I need a break. <laughs> we we have been producing some pretty awesome content um, through uh, through some partners and friends of ours, and we would love it if you shared it on the socials. Um, so you know where to find us at London Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and then also getting some good shares on Facebook recently. Finally, go subscribe. Smash, Brandon. You got to remember to smash the subscribe button on YouTube. London is Blue Podcast. That's all. It's helping us out. We're growing like crazy. You guys are killing it. Thank you. Yeah, it's kind of funny that if you don't smash it on YouTube, it actually doesn't work. So Yeah, you really got to put some force behind it. A little weird if you ask me. Uh, all right. Well, look, we appreciate your patience up to this point. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, into the meat of the podcast, we're going to be talking about the match review in whole. We're going to be talking about the new signings and their impact since we actually got to see quite a few of them today. We'll talk about Rolls-Reese, absolute stunner, 
and then a little bit of work in progress. You know, we we know we weren't the finished article at this one. So uh, match review time. At a glance, we're playing Brighton Hove Albion in the Premier League at the Amex Stadium this past Monday, September 14th. They made his way all the way till Monday, but I'm sure Frank was grateful for the extra days to prepare. In case you missed it, Brighton won, Chelsea three, goals one, Lions three, which is what you'd expect. Um, Dan, air high five for getting the score prediction right. I'm officially done with that, uh, going out on top <laughs> at 100% correct record. Um, and we're going to run you through the goals, and we're actually going to bring you the audio from the Fifth Stand app, the official Chelsea FC app. We highly recommend you go download it if you haven't. If you do, just make sure to check in on Match Day. We'd love to see you in the chat. Here we go. Chelsea kick off the season on the south coast as the Blues take on Brighton and Hove Albion at the Amex Stadium. The start of a new campaign, always a time for optimism, but after recruiting some stellar summer signings, there's even more reason than usual for Chelsea supporters around the world to be excited. Well, it's been... Oh, has Burner might be able to get there anyway, around Matt Ryan goes down. Penalty. I don't think there can be any doubt. I mean, there was contact. Scored a penalty against Brighton at the bridge last season. Are we going to see the hop, skip and a jump? You bet we are. No problem. Sends Ryan the wrong way and Chelsea hit the front. Jorginho with the first goal of the season. Burnett lost his cheek in Havertz in support. Oh, he tried to beat Ryan at his near post. That's so clever from Timo Werner. Batted behind for a corner by the big Australian. Shot from distance is right into the far corner from Trossard. And Brighton are level. He's been coming. James might be tempted to have a thump here. Reese James! Oh. What a goal! What a way to score your first ever in the Premier League. It's a stunner from Reese James. Watching an hour gone. There's Trossard, the Brighton scorer. It's a brilliant cross as well, oh. and it should have been 2 2. Lewis Dunk was all alone, six yards from goal. Zuma got to that and the deflection's taking it in. And Chelsea have got a bit of daylight now. Kurt Zuma will claim it. Three goals and three points on opening night for Frank Lampard and Chelsea. Liverpool up next at the bridge on Sunday. Final score at the Amex. Brighton, Hove Albion 1, Chelsea 3. All right. Well, thankfully we got the lead and then we ran with it immediately after conceding. Usually last season, Nick, it was the opposite. We would score, then immediately concede, and then concede, and, and then concede again. Uh, not this time. It was definitely Chelsea with the upper hand. I'm not going to say all match, because Brighton looked good in spurts, but the response to go get it right after conceding, I think, was my, one of my favorite parts. That is, yeah, I think that's the the energy you took out of this, was that there weren't you know, heads down or whatever. I think Brighton fully deserved the goal that they scored. Probably could have had a couple others if, if we're honest. But it was it was literally a minute and a half later, go down, resets a rocket, then you get really, really, really fortunate off of a set piece, which didn't happen to us all of last year. And uh and look, then then you leave three one comfortable winners, even though it, it may not have been uh on the day that deserving of a scoreline. So um, in, interesting match for sure. Not not a classic three one. Love the luck. Love the yep. breaks we got. Um, normally, I am not a fan of FIFA, but when they tweet that Chelsea FC become the third club to reach two thousand Premier League points, I, I think that's a good thing. Obviously, the Premier League started in roughly nineteen ninety two. The third team to get to two thousand points. I'll take it. I still don't like you, but I'll take it. Dan, lineup, sir. Um, Wow. You want to talk about your lineup prediction real quick or just skip that? <laughs> no, we can skip that. I'll just, okay. I'll, I'll go out on a high with the score predictions like you. Um, yeah. By the so way, between the y'all six, got so lucky. You guys got so lucky that deflected oh, Zuma so thing lucky. went in. Oh my God. Ridiculous. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so lucky. Yeah. And I'm counting all my luck in singles from the bank. Just uh, cashed in. Uh, well, uh, one, 
Upset Nick Verlaney was not in the starting 11, but those who did make Lampard's list included Kepa Aretha Balaga and the Sticks, a back four of Marcus Alonso, Andreas Christensen, Kurt Zuma, and Reese James. Midfielders included Jorginho Conte, Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, and this is according to how they think we lined up. Uh, it was very fluid. Uh, and then forwards of Timo Werner and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Substitutes unused included Willie Caballero. Antonio Rudiger, Tammy Abraham, and Olivier Giroud. We did see appearances from Cesar Aspilicueta, Ross Barkley, and Callum Hudson-Odoi off the bench. A reminder that Kovacic was unavailable. He had a suspension that carried over from the end of last season. And then Pulisic, as we found out, was still working his way back from injury. And back to the three subs rule. Five is gone. They're back to three. Uh, top line stats from this one, Chelsea with 47.7% possession out possessed by Brighton might be a bit interesting. We had 10 shots, five on target. They had 13 shots, only three on target. Thankfully, um, they out had more touches than us. They had more passes than us, which I think is kind of an interesting lead into how Frank approached this match. Tackles were even, we had more clearances than them. Um, we had three offsides versus zero, which just means we were trying. Um, and 13 fouls conceded to their eight. Uh, Dan, a little XG point here for you because I know you got to get your little statistics in here from at Kaylee underscore graphics, our go to source on the XG plots. Uh, rough sum. Brighton with the 1.5 expected goal to the 0.5 for Chelsea with the plus one penalty, which. Definitely is not how I think the game felt the majority of it. So I'm I'm curious if the Nick Verlaney eye test matches up against the Dan Dormer XG, how those go head to head this season. Yeah, we're okay, just to let everyone know we're doing it this season. We're formalizing the challenge between the two of us. What I see with my very eyes and what Dan sees via nerds and stats and things. Damn it, whatever. It's like Thor versus Banner, you know? That's what we're doing here. Well, unfortunately, Dan, I think that uh, that actually backs up Nick's uh, slander <laughs> against our predictions. But it doesn't matter because, thankfully, as I said, we got a little bit of, of luck on it. So the first point we want to break into is new season, new look. Let's talk about the start of the season in the context that this Chelsea team had several new signings make their debut. Timo Werner, Kai Averts. How do we think the two Germans delivered in their debut if we were to start with Timmy Burner, as Dan is really pushing for on Twitter, Boy, trying to make that what stick. Are we, what are we doing there? Oh, it's leave fantastic. The leave the nicknames to me. Get out of here. Do you see Look, Chidge he... put his our Irish signing, <laughs> Tim O'Verner? Timmy O'Verner? I loved that. Chidge, Chidge nailed that one. Yeah. Chidge, Chidge gone Chidge. All yeah, right. I mean, we... We were excited about the signing of uh, Timo Werner. We had a chance to see him play against Brighton a little bit over a week ago in the preseason debut, and that was a good opportunity to get acclimatized to him. I think the dude has so much energy. Like I think what gets missed in some of the stats, and this goes to the Knicks eye test, but he was nonstop. And I think the it was funny. It took the first two offsides very early for someone to post like an Alvaro Morata gif. <laughs> it's just like a Boy. okay, like we're we're like we're twenty minutes into the Premier League season. We probably should slow down on the comparison because what I will tell you is that Alvaro Morata would not make nearly any of the runs or do any of the ninety minutes of dedicated running that Timo was doing in this match. I think very unfortunate to not be played into goal probably about twice and kept on getting in positions that were hella dangerous. So, I mean, the, the stats were, uh, were great. He was unfortunate to, to not come away with a goal, but that earned us a penalty that Georgina was able to convert. So like ultimately he did everything you want from your center forward, Nick, he was getting in dangerous positions. He was commanding the respect of the defenders and he made himself known in this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if anyone had doubts about his his pace, those were found out very quickly. Um, that he he's all possessing of that pace. Um, he got he got really unlucky with some of the service today. I mean, just <laughs> he could have had two or three on his own if if service would have been a little bit better. And um, I think it's going to be interesting to see 
as he shifts out wide because he did he did shift out wide a little bit towards the end of the game and you can just see the fear of god that he puts into uh, fullbacks and then the center back that's supposed to be tied to that fullback because they don't they don't know whether to track him or to track the runner that's coming in behind it's going to be fascinating to to see how that all works and then your brain starts to go dan on the Oh man, what if Pulisic's in there? <laughs> you know, what if what if you have Kai Havertz performing at a high level? What if you have Mason Mount able to drop in a dime that like Ziesh, all these guys, and it's like don't we pl- don't we play- don't tempt me with the sexiest football the Premier League has ever seen. <laughs> I know it's, it's coming. <laughs> it's it's like you played we played with half your pieces today and you still won pretty comfortably. I mean, it wasn't a comfortable game by any means, but good lord, you start to add everything else back in Brandon, and it's um. Tempting, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, Timo Werner had 20% of his touches inside the opposition's box today. So where do you want your striker hanging out? Or in the in the opposition's box. That's a great place for them to be spending their time. And for him to have for us to have less than 50% possession and 20% of his touches were inside the box, uh, that's exactly what you want. Uh, he completed 50 of his 19 passes. He created a chance. He had five shots, one on target, three blocks. So he was going in shooting. Yeah, they got blocked, but hey, he's not afraid to pull the trigger. And I think, again, that's something that we're very happy to see because we've complained about that in the past. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, to Dan's point a little bit, uh, he covered 11.53 kilometers only in Golo Kante, who we all know is non-human, uh, covered more than him. So I think that's interesting. Now... Is this the norm for him? I don't know. I don't really know his stats from the Bundesliga. Uh, Or is he just really excited day one? I'm going to go out, bust my hump, and work hard. Either way, it's a great thing to have. You know, the striker out there working hard. Uh, Lampard talked about it in post-matches that, you know, he doesn't just attach himself to a center back and kind of just hover in one spot and wait for the ball to happen. Like, he's constantly creating angles, hiding behind the defender's shoulder, looking for ways to kind of get in and penetrate in a different way, you know? And I think that's what's most exciting is that he's a proactive striker rather than a reactive striker. Hey, you guys come get it to me when I'm in the box. No, he's he's ready to get involved, ready to play and go from there. So I think overall, just seeing the, uh, to your point, the energy and the enthusiasm from him to just run constantly and find ways, um, I think is great. Uh, in the, his po- yeah. I was going to say, the, the two things that I, I would note on him in addition to that, one, the run that he made to that Kai released him on mm. was incredible. Just his ability to make the run, stay on side, and get into the box ultimately didn't end up being uh, kind of the, the best shot, kind of got played off of the angle. And then... His post-match interview where they asked him if he was going to be ready for Liverpool mm-hmm. because yeah, he said he had a bit of a dead leg, which if you if that's him on a dead leg, oh, my God, like that's that's just scary. I, I think that his his response was, you know, of course, like it's a big game. It's the games you have to be ready for. That's the type, the exact type of mentality that you want in your number nine. And so, yeah, if you weren't already on on the Werner bandwagon, like everyone is on now. Well, I also appreciated his honesty. He's so soft-spoken too, unassuming. He's a silent assassin. Like that's that's his role. Um, but they asked him about the defenders and playing in the Premier League. <laughs> he just like, I have never played against such large human beings. Like you had Dunk back there, obviously. Uh, you know whoever whoever was is white or whoever got you know taken off in the first half of the injury. Some big boys, some big boys playing center back. So it's kind of funny, Nick, just to hear him be like, uh, those dudes are huge. Maybe that's why he kept moving. So he's never around them and not let, letting them get close enough to kick him, uh, which is a smart guy. You know, I think smart heads up play. Right. And I think he, he understood early on that, like, you know, just the ability to body up those guys is not really there for a person of his size. It's it's there for someone like Olivier Giroud, obviously. But um that's when he just started playing out wide, going off the shoulder, you know, making them turn and look to find, mm-hmm. to understand where he was. I mean, that's the way you beat big guys, right? Is you just buzz around him and annoy the hell out of him. That's what he was doing. 
Yeah. Well, that was only half of the, the German duo making their Premier League debuts today. The other one, Kai Alberts, who really hasn't spent a lot of time in London at all. I mean, he probably was looking at flats. Maybe he was buying a car. You know, he had stuff to do on top of meeting his new teammates, meeting his new manager, which it sounds like he already actually knew pretty well. Uh, 88% pass accuracy from the midfielder. 35 touches. It's not a lot, really. Uh, seven recoveries, three tackles, one take on completed, one chance created with zero shots. Um, I mean, personally, Nick, I would just, my bar was low for him. The fact that he started was probably a bit of a necessity, but I mean, you know, sorry, Barkley, I guess you know where you stand. Um, but overall, like not exciting, but small glimpses, just the smallest glimpses of like, okay, he's starting to see some things. His runs he made, even if he didn't get it, you know, the lack of chemistry and stuff. Um, but anyways, that's kind of at least how I my initial eye test passed on Kai Alberts. Yeah, today, today was a day of like little things for Kai, right? Just in, we've all watched highlight packages, but highlight packages don't tell you the full story of a player. And I think that's, that's kind of where I was just kind of keying in on him during the match, understanding how he moved, He's a big, smooth athlete, man. He really, there's no hitch in his giddy up. There's nothing. He just, he can fly. He can track back. He's relatively agile. Um, you know, I think what he lacked in kind of final third impact today was more than made up for by the fact that he was linking up play and creating triangles on the, on the right side primarily. And you know, I think for both Werner and Havertz, a big thing that I noticed is that they tracked back uh, a lot to win the ball back. And that's a huge mental thing for every other player on the squad. These are now you're like two, two of your highest priced players in the whole team and they're doing hard work. Right. So there's a mental <clears throat> bridge that some of our other players, frankly, have to get over now because if those guys are going to do it. If he's the 92 million pound man after bonuses and he's tracking back, then you know, your Rubens and, you know, the rest of the team have to make that effort too. I mean, it's just requisite now. So I think their mentality is good. And while he didn't win all the challenges when he tracked back, I think there's a little work to do there. Um, he, he certainly showed the effort. And again, just little things, the pass that you mentioned earlier, right. Is, is you're going to see that more as, as he gets comfortable with his teammates, but yeah, I was, I was okay. I was okay with the debut. What do they say? Naz say that he, uh, Tracked, it was like a 60, 70 yard run, like the 73rd minute mm -hmm. from Kai. And just, you don't get that from a lot of players, let alone a marquee signing, let alone his first match in the Premier League, Dan. So, yeah, like I said, to me, it's like there was glimpses of excitement, but overall, like a very lukewarm debut. But, you know, I, I think as we get into a little bit, the system was more restrained than what it was last year anyway. So maybe that was a product of the system. Well, and you think about the fact that he's had the least amount of time to acclimatize to the team. You know, he's gotten about a week of training at this point relative to some of his peer group. Like Werner joined up right when he was able to, like he pushed to make sure that he got in to this side early. Obviously we were without Silva, Chilwell still getting back to fitness uh, Ziesh was not available due to injury. So, I mean, like there, there was a lot of challenges around putting together this lineup for Lampard. And I think it was more of a, we're going to play you and see what we get out of you. And the expectation should be a little bit lower. And I'm going to say like, that's, that's just for now, right? Like, cause he has to plug in and figure out where he's going to be deployed regularly. I don't think it's going to be in the way that we saw today. You know, he's going to either uh, center up, you know, go a little bit more centrally and try to be kind of closer to the attack. Uh, he was he was very deep today and also kind of moving out wide quite regularly. And I just don't I don't see that as where he's going to be most of the time, Nick. I think the, the patterns of play today don't really I don't know. They just didn't seem like they were the, the way I expect us to play 10 game weeks from now when the side has started to gel. No, no. I mean, it's just. It was the opening match. You're never going to play your best on opening day. Um, but, I mean, if if you will allow me to drift into the the first edition of Nick's eye test, you know, we'll, we'll, need some, we'll need some stinger music here, Jake. 
editor Jake to produce for Nick's eye test. It was a whole different system that we played today. I mean, Chelsea were ball dominant last year, you know, regularly 60% plus possession, regularly in the 700s in passes, regularly keeping a high line, um, regularly letting in a lot of goals. <laughs> I mean, like, if we're honest, that's what happened last year. And we scored a fair few, obviously, but this was a whole different look. And what I think... You know, when you went through those, the kind of upfront stats, Brandon, one of the things that really jumps out at you is, oh my God, we didn't have as much possession. What are we going to do? Well, what you're going to do is you're going to play on the counter. You're going to leave a lot of space in behind because we were screaming at points for this last year, right? Brighton are a typically a, a deep set team. They, they don't need to come out of their block for very much. Big dunk back there, uh, white, you know, they have. Dan Byrne playing left back, who's six seven. Usually, you know, it's a it's a pretty big team for the most part, and they usually sit in a block pretty well. So when you allow them out of their block, what happens is you allow space in behind their big players, and so you saw Timo Werner four, five, six chances to get in behind on on key breakaways today. This is why this is my eye test of the days. I think Chelsea are going to have to do this this year. I think they're going to have to let teams come on to them for periods of time because it's going to lull them out of their of their comfort zone. And when you get lulled out and you have a guy like Timo Werner or Christian Pulisic or Kai Havertz or Ziyech or pick another Tammy Abraham, any of these guys, it allows us to go and score goals with a lot more ease than we did last year. And I think that was kind of dual purpose alongside the fact that our defense – had Marcus Alonso in it. It had a young Reese James in it and uh, two center backs who had not been the best in terms of their partnership. So uh, yeah, I think it was a, a really good sound tactic uh, from Frank, even though it was probably a little uncomfortable for Chelsea fans to watch after what they saw last year. I test. So, Boom. so, so Dan, what do you think? Are there rebuttals allowed to this? I test or is it like uh, <laughs> closing uh, better arguments? One, better two. Better one, better two, better three, yeah. better four. Um, yeah, I would say that uh, first, I don't think Dan Byrne actually played because Lampity played on I'm the... I'm just saying, like, I, was, yeah. I was generalizing, yeah. just yeah, saying yeah. they're a big team. Um, yeah, yeah, they, they are. They are a massive team. And uh, I think I tweeted this out, but the two most dangerous words that I didn't want to have to tweet today were Brighton counter. And thankfully, we didn't uh, give them what they were looking for on a counter. So uh, yay, plus positive there. We did not concede a goal from a set piece. I I think I generally agree that it, it is going to be something that we're going to have to get used to for the first bit as we get up to where this team is supposed to be. You know, your, your Marcus Alonso or even Aspilicueta and left back versus Ben Chilwell, who's going to be a first choice, is is not going to is going to change the dynamic and the shape of this team. Getting Thiago Silva into the team versus uh, Christensen or, or Zuma, one of the two who actually both were very bright in their performances today. It, it, there's just going to be a, a climatization period. And because this is really, it is ultimately going to be a brand new, almost brand new starting 11, Brandon. When you think about the amount of players we signed to be first team competitors, it, it, and we're going to have to figure that out. And that might mean we look completely different in how we execute and how we play. And that's, that's going to be okay. <sighs> Yeah, it's uh, I think, to, you know, I think it's just a good point that it's a very different tactical approach from Frank, a little bit more measured, a little bit more contained. I think that's a fair shout is is we kind of wait to see how the season progresses. A, a last point on this, though, is I, I think we get sucked into this narrative of if you because Barcelona regularly has 70 percent possession in La Liga, people equate possession to exciting football. It's actually not the case. You know, if you think of some of the Chelsea teams from back in the day under Carlo or under Mourinho the first time or even under Ranieri, there would be a lot of times where we'd have less possession, but we'd be playing blazing football and it would be fun to watch. And the team would go on the counter and we'd score amazing goals against the run of play, all that kind of stuff. This team is too talented to necessarily sit back and have 30% of the possession. That's not what I'm saying. But if Chelsea are in the 50% possession, we are likely going to find more space behind the opposition. And all that's going to mean for someone like Timo Werner is that he's going to have 35 goals instead of 20 goals. And so that's that to me is uh, an exciting change in tactics from Frank. And I'll, I'll be intrigued to see if he uses it more against some of the uh, kind of more block nine teams this year. All right. 
We need to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, though, Rolls-Reese and remembering Tarek Lamptey. And we'll obviously talk about work in progress and the unsung hero. I'm not going to spoil that, who we thought the unsung hero was. So uh, thanks to the sponsor for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. Rolls-Reese, as he is affectionately known around these parts, but in the first half, is all about Tarek Lamptey, the right back who departed Chelsea. Um he was having he was having himself a day, as the kids say. Uh, but as our friend Yannick pointed out on Twitter, Reese James clearly saw the tweets at halftime. Must have been on the <laughs> phone real quick, checking a little update. Uh, and he had his Michael. That's when it became personal, Jordan moment. Uh, and it, and he absolutely lit the field on fire. Uh, you know, Nick, we're talking about how his not great one v one defending just started bodying people up in the second half. Uh, started getting aggressive, just crossed it every single time he got it. Uh, and then obviously the cherry on top was the rocket goal, which, I mean, it was an absolute rocket. The net genuinely struggled to contain it. Uh, Matt Ryan, goalkeeper, small guy, not a big guy out there, didn't even stand a chance. Um, and it's Matt with one T, so, you know, whatever that means about him, you can kind of make your own opinions. Anyways, I mean, Thoughts? Rolls Reese struggled a little bit the first half, bit of redemption the second half. We saw mixed, mixed performances from him in the post restart as well. I'll let Dan take the positives. I will go on the negatives. <laughs> and I'll start off by saying I, I had a nice old back and forth with our friend Ollie Glanville on Twitter today. Um, because I, I think I think there are times where Reese spatially doesn't know where he is on the field or know where his, or knows where his help is on the field. And so there are a couple of times he just got smoked in one V ones against far lesser players than, than I think who he is. Um, now it's, it's to say, you know, say this, he's still a young guy. There's plenty of promise within him. I, this is not a negative review of Reese James. I just think he has struggled in one V one situations and, and, since bodying up Zaha at Palace last year, there have been times where you're like, man, is this even the same guy um, defending-wise? Because I think he's so talented in attack that it you know maybe gets away from him a little bit. But, yeah, I think he, for the first 53 minutes, did not have a good game. I, I was kind of – he was on my watch list, him and Kai Havertz on that right side. And uh, I think I think he struggled. And then, like you said, Brandon uh, certainly got it back uh, in the second half and redeemed himself with a goal and an assist and helped my fantasy team. So I very much appreciated that. Look, uh, you know, Dan T up the stats, one goal, one assist, four out of four aerial duels, one, three interceptions, two block shots, two clearances, two tackles, two key passes. I mean, statistically, pretty, pretty good day for the guy. Got man of the match as well, I believe. So. And and the set piece thing, by the way, the aerial duels thing is is key. That's something I didn't mention for the first half that he was very good at uh, was on on set pieces because Dan also mentioned via Twitter one of the things you don't want to have to type is Brighton set piece or Brighton corner, corner kick. So. Yeah. Look, I think Reese balled out, and I get all of the negatives that and the elements of his game that he'll continue to need to improve at. Like that is absolutely his his one on one defending his recovery because there are plenty of times that he gets shredded maybe and then has to really kind of get up to full speed to kind of capitalize or kind of you know lock down whomever he was defending. But I think what you know a couple things changed in that second half. I mean, one was the removal of um Ruben Loftus cheek off the pitch and kind of the the implementation of Ross Barkley. I think that made things better for a lot of players. Reese benefited from that. Kai benefited from that. Um, but his his value will continue to be his interchange with whomever he's working with on the right. And there were a couple times when uh, Angola was over there and they were kind of interchanging back and forth or Kai and him were interchanging or near the end of the game when Aspilicueta came on and actually we pushed Reese up into like a, a defensive mid and they were interchanging on the right. There was some really, really promising football there where he was just crossing that ball in and he, he was begging. He was begging an attacker from Chelsea to go in there and just blow on it. Like, yeah, to, the, uh, like the just near to post. Kind of, oh my gosh. Yeah. He, uh, he's, he's got so much skill in his bank. 
Like he is going to be cashing checks off of his talent for years at this level. I just think it is something where it is just about getting acclimatized. And I, I think a couple of the defensive things are, they are workable. They are coachable. They are things that can be molded and improved on. I think what he did from just an impact standpoint in the second half, like knowing to go up and claim that ball, knowing that he could press on the right a little bit more and, and the game shifted more to take advantage of his skill set. We were sitting back actually, and he was trying to work the ball upward. I think Brandon, that's where he was getting caught out a little bit. The moment we actually started moving the ball forward more effectively, that's when he really got a chance to shine again. Look, Reese, um, he's young, right? Is he still a teenager? Is he 20 yet? I mean, the fact is, he you know, he went from a championship loan at Wigan to the first team, essentially. It's mm-hmm. a big jump, you know? Um, he's gotten to learn under Espilicueta, who's still captain, who's still around, just had a knock. And getting to see him kind of the space to develop and grow you know, kind of Devan's point. I don't know if he knows what all of his weapons and assets are. He's still learning. Um, he was playing a little CDM today at some point. I saw him all the way over on the left side. You know, maybe that's positional naivety. Maybe he's just getting um, settled in. Maybe he's been given the freedom. Maybe it's some stupid burhalter tactic where, like, we have inside cutting outside backs or some bullshit. How dare you? Yeah, How dare Lampard. You, yeah, I'm sure Lampard's really studying burhalter film this off season, learning from the best. Gosh, um, but you know, he, here's he's the one been thing. There. Here's I the just, one thing, though. No, go ahead. No, it's fine. You clearly have something. And you're to jumping say. all over him today. Come no, on. I am jumping because I think the other thing that just has to be spoken about is the fact that so Terry Lampard tips. I know frosted tips, baby. They're back. <laughs> no, in sync style. Let's go. We're all doing it. Lampty and Reese James can both be phenomenal right backs. Like that is absolutely the reality of the situation and the whole narrative of did we let Lampty get away? for the first 45 minutes was infuriating. I think Lampity had a very good game. He was most likely Brighton's best player on the pitch. By I also far. don't think he had a perfect game either. Even though, like, no. again, we're, when, when you're going up against Alonzo, who is not a speed left back in any capacity, and you're shredding him, just remember, let's grade that on the appropriate curve, as it were. And, and then also, like, you think about that left-hand side, whether it's Ruben or even Mason or Jorginho, like there was no help for Alonso. Like they were kind of like, they were come in way after the fact when Lampity was already heading into the box or to the byline to try to cross it in to help out. So like, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I think we were, both were likely to be overhyped on conversation today. I think both of them were men of the match for their respective teams but both of them still have growing to do and both of them can be great. That is, that is totally the kind of allowed. I have a solution proposed solution because I'm all about solutions, not problems. All right. The solution is you buy back Lampty and you put Reese at CDM and then you just solve two problems right there. Bam, bam, oh, bam, bam. There it is. It's, still, I know it's football still, genius. It's still a plus for the Academy. I think is, I forgot who was talking about it, but like Chelsea Academy I wouldn't say graduates, but who were raised and developed in the academy are all over the Premier League. Like, don't forget Southampton. Oriol Romeu and Bertrand, Ryan Bertrand, are still there kicking the shit out of people a little yeah, bit eight, in eight, Southampton. Eight years later, man. I mean. Yep. He was there in 2012, right? In Munich. Exactly. So, all right. Uh, last one for, for this one. Uh, work in progress and our unsung hero. So, obviously, this wasn't a perfect performance. What are some of the questions Lampard will have after this match? Well, the obvious one that is sitting in my corner is going to be around the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Almost had a shutout. Look, he came for a cross. Now, he didn't get there, but he left his line and went into traffic. And I know he that was, sounds... He was more active today. And he I say, I know active. that sounds dumb, but it is a mentality thing. Like... Leaving your line is a very comparable act to taking the jump off the bridge with the bungee line. You're scared out of your mind, but once you do it, all of a sudden you're like, 
awesome. I got over that hurdle. Let's do it again. For him to take the first leap of leaving his line to go venture out into the box and at least attempt to claim a cross, it can only go up from here. Um, but look, the shot, it, it dipped, it, it swerved a little bit. It looked like it went under his arm at first. I was like, oh, short man problem. Like he just couldn't get to it. Uh, but, uh, upon highlights, it just looked like it went under his arm, unfortunately. And he didn't look thrilled. Obviously I thought he bounced back. Okay. He wasn't really rattled because of it. And I hope that's not because he's just used to giving up goals. Um, but regardless, you know, I thought the the Sky Sports guys that I listened to the podcast after the match today, whoever the presenter is, is just asking Lampard a load of dumb questions. And one of them was like, "Are you going to sign a goalkeeper?" And of course, he's like, "I like Keppa. Like he's our he's our guy. Like you know, of course he's going to say that." And then Lampard gets off the line. He goes. And he just completely like questions Frank's like judgment. I'm like, what did you want him to say? You're an idiot. So, anyways, rant over. But look, I'm sure Lampard's gonna go back to the board and say, see, like Mendy, Edouard, Mendy, arrive. Thank you. That's my he's, that's my he's gonna thing. yeah. I mean, you're you're 100 right. Like if Lampard goes out and says, I've never hated a goalkeeper more than Keppa, then his <laughs> yeah. the any chance you have to loan him or do anything with him in the future is basically nil. Every other club's gonna come in and have leverage over you yeah. even more than they already have. I mean, yeah. it's obvious what is going to happen here. Like it's very obvious. I do think that he played a better game today than we've seen in a while yeah. though. I mean, let's let's give him a little bit of credit. Tim Howard did get on his case though on the post game coverage and said like, that's just a save that you have to make. I mean, it's, it's respectable just, opinion too, you know, fair enough. Um, yeah. but uh, I, I don't know. He wasn't the worst, which was the bar he set last season, Dan. Anyways, what was your question? Um, you know, that maybe Lampard walked away with as he's sipping his, his red wine this evening. I think, you know, it's maybe early days still, and there's lots of, to, of questions to answer. I think he drew a lot of scrutiny in this match, and I think there will be questions around how does Ruben Loftus-Cheek fit into all of this? And let's caveat it with massive Achilles injury that he's working his way back from, limited to almost no match minutes, um, and kind of building back from that. But just the things that you would want to start to see from, from Ruben really looked off the pace, really did not look ready for full speed football in this match. And it's the point of concerning when Ross Barkley comes in and, you know, Ross, who I think people have kind of looked at like, well, Ruben's one of our own. He's coming through the Academy, you know, the Europa League campaign and what he offered to, to sorry in that season, you know, getting double digit goals. There's a lot that was going on there. Like we're getting people excited and for Barkley to be the one who kind of up le- up levels the standard of football the pitch, and when you're kind of taken away, that that's that is a concern. And I think it's going to be something that we're going to want to watch through the window to determine can Ruben Loftus Cheek sit on the bench and be rotational in this team and continue to level up his football, or do you end up keeping someone like Barkley? And having him around as your rotation option and potentially look for a Premier League loan for Ruben where he would play 70, 80, 90 minutes every match if he's healthy. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is a tough one for me to watch because I, I hate that this is something that we would even consider. But I think it's yeah. a it's something the club has to be wondering and has to be watching because everyone cares about Ruben. They want to see Ruben succeed. They want to see him be successful. They want him to be one of the stars of, of our side and to see where he's at. It, it, I mean, it's all, it's all asterisked a little bit by the injury, Nick, but I think that it, it just, it's going to be something we have to watch. Yeah. One, one of the, the hardest things about coming back from an injury is just trusting yourself again, you know, and it, it, I think everyone's kind of been through whatever injury they have in their life, whether you broke a bone or, you know, you've, done something muscular, Brandon broke his leg, right? Like just trusting yourself again on that, right? I I had a major Achilles strain in college that it took me months to even like walk normally again. <laughs> and I'm not an athlete by any means, but I think the, the point is like I, I saw some of the stuff today and it seemed just as mental as it did physical, not knowing where you, where you are on the pitch as opposed to where your teammates are not releasing the ball when you should stuff that 
for a guy of his talent just should be so much more natural and should be instinctive. He was just a little slow to the jump on a, a bunch of stuff today. And it's, uh, yeah, your question, Dan, is the right question. It's like, how can he get back to what he was going to be under sorry by playing 20 matches, having a handful of starts and a bunch of sub appearances? Good question. I don't know. Or does Frank do the impossible, the impossible? And I say it like that because he would need to trust Ruben over other players who may be more suited. He would need to like just give him time anyway, right? And I and I don't think for a guy that's incentivized to win that you can afford that necessarily. But I could be wrong. Yeah, the Palace type loan where he's still in London can still be connected to the club and, and get regular minutes is kind of like the safe option. And look, Frank, after spending over two hundred million in the transfer window, like his expectations as he's admitted are to win the league in the next couple seasons. Ruben's a gamble right now. I just want him to be the best he can be because he's such an amazing guy. We had the pleasure to get to interview him. He was so humble. He was so friendly. Um, that guy wants nothing more to play for his boyhood club. It's not about the money. It's not about the success. He, All he wants is to stay healthy so he can play. So I really hope... Hope, hope, hope he gets that opportunity. Um, Nick, what was yours? The midfield was concerning for me today. Uh, too, many? Con- <laughs> yeah, too many? Too um, many. It's a midfield. Yeah, well, I'm, I'll attempt to answer that now. I mean, I think the the defensive midfield, I should say, was a challenge. Jorginho and, and Conte don't really work that well together. Um, the passing angles were not there. They They ran into the same spaces a lot if you were watching it from that angle, I, I think it was just a, it's a, the four, two, three, one is going to need a different mid defensive midfield configuration for it to work the way that I think Frank wants it to work. So in the meantime, uh, mayhaps I suggest a four, three, three where N'Golo is the deep lying playmaker and you have a bunch of, of talented eights that can run into space and provide a little bit more balance there. I think, Again, Jorginho got his goal, a great penalty again. I don't think he played horrible by any means. That's not the point of this. I just didn't think it was necessarily a smooth operation. And especially when, when he gets turned, it's just good night. You know, it's just over for him in that move. So uh, I think that's kind of where I'm at. Don't you mean the Fernandez-style penalty? No. As the commentators good pointed out. <laughs> God, he was in the Premier League a full season and a half before That's Bruno Fernandez. Come on, man. Oh, the, only, the, the only defense would be he played nothing, like no minutes last season. And how many penalties did Fernandez get? About a dozen. So to be fair, maybe it's a recency bias thing, but it's not the most accurate take, which is annoying. Uh, I like how I'm getting called out here at McGleezy7 saying, is BBB, is BB Busby already regretting his, Kep, regretting his Kepa most improved player prediction? Cr- laughing, crying emoji, laughing, crying emoji. No, no, man, I'm not. <laughs> we saw immense improvement today. Like, again, the bar is so low. It, it's like short of him getting sold for peanuts, I kind of won going into this. And that's what I said in my predictions. But. Look, who scored, who we don't look at, uh, did give him a oh 5.3, which oh, was not boy. great, which is not great. Um, all right, real quick, unsung here of the match. Give me a name and a why, and we're going to move on so we can get to the Dan of the match. Uh, Dan, I am wildly surprised by your unsung here of the match. I want name and why, and we move on. Danish Prince, the cool man in the back line, Andreas Christensen. He was cool, composed, uh, came up with some really important blocks, uh, saved what was going to be an almost uh, sure goal from um, uh, Mupai. And uh, yeah, just uh, really a good performance. Again, he has these, and so it's caveated with next game he could be <laughs> completely awful. But in this game, he was uh, he was a standout for me. So yeah, I, I think he, uh, he, he saved a, probably a near goal and uh, kept us in it. All right, Nick, name and a reason why. Ross, the boss, Barkley. A shocking one for me, but... The guy who takes too many touches regularly. Lots of... There are just a tremendous amount of touches in there. Touches for everybody, Ross says. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, I think he, he did change the game when he came on. Um, 
it, it was interesting when he when he got subbed on that Frank wrapped his arm around him was ta- talking to him. They looked like they were having a very good uh, conversation about tactics and stuff like that. And I think Ross delivered And The only down part I would have for Ross, he needed to release Timo Werner eight touches before he did. And yeah. that, that needs to change. Um, but yeah, uh, I think he played, uh, he played pretty well in a cameo. Uh, I had Mason Mount. Um, mm. I just weird, right? Like that's kind of a cop out. I almost feel bad saying that. Cause it's just the, like, you can the always... Mason Mount unsung hero of the match <laughs> award. Yes. On honestly. Um, but just typical Mason, um, the effort, you know, is 10 out of 10 every single day. Uh, and I think, you know, while it's expected of him, we can still appreciate him for that. And, you know, uh, I know there's a little bit of rumors about, you know, Mason's upset, Chelsea signing great players for him to play with. And shout out to Tony Mount for just laughing at that tweet publicly. Um, and even Frank addressed it as well. Uh, so it's great to see him out there. He played in the most matches last season than anyone else. For all of you who think Mason was just going to get kicked to the side and left behind, like that, that didn't add up, didn't make any sense. All right, Dan of the match, and then we'll wrap with the review of the Premier League table after game week one, which is not too early to declare champions. Uh, Dan, your Dan of the match, Chelsea 2021. What in the world did you do? Yeah, I, I I think I got it pretty right here. I, you could argue that maybe you you sub in an Andreas Christensen here to this. Uh, yeah, this you this apparently four. would argue. <laughs> well, that's why it was an unsung hero. Um, four options: Reese James, Kante, Timo Werner, and Kurt Happy Zuma, uh, just for taking it to the uh, the central region of his downstairs and getting back up. <sighs> A-plus yeah. effort there. Uh, it broke down as this. Uh, Zuma with 10.7%. Conte with 15.3%. Werner with 187 And no surprise, Rolls-Reese jumps in to the spot. The top spot at the top of the parking lot. 55.3%. Uh, I mean, I think Conte's in there just because we're all happy to see him back. I think. Yep, I love him. It, it, yeah, there's a lot of discussion about him again and just like... Man, I love N'Golo. I even said, I've admitted, don't come at me. Yes, I I said stupid things during the quarantine. I want N'Golo Conte forever. Uh, The table as it stands. Again, match week one, all right? Some teams still have yet to even have played, so not even a full match week one. Arsenal at top of the table, crowned champions. Leicester City repeating their European triumph in second. Chelsea in third. Newcastle fourth. Wolves fifth. Liverpool sixth. Palace 7, Everton 8. Those are all the teams that played in one. Villa, Burnley, Man City, Man United, all have yet to play. Leeds in 13th. That's weird saying Leeds. Ugh, that was the first time dirty it came out of leads, my mouth. Please, dirty Leeds. Dirty Leeds getting thumped by Liverpool, who apparently are now the VAR Kings. Uh, Southampton in 14th. Tottenham 15th. Brighton 16th. Sheffield 17th. West Ham 18th. Fulham 19th West Brom 20th those last two names sound appropriately uh placed in 1920 look here's some new names it's gonna be an interesting season obviously game week one it's good to start with a hundred percent clean record three goals got a little padding uh Mourinho is complaining this is the first time he's ever lost the first match of a season in his career so I fully expect him to depart Tottenham at some point because he's already complaining about striker um, but we have, we've seen Liverpool, they scored four, but they gave up three United and city have yet to play Arsenal look decent, but they played a terrible Fulham. So there, I don't think there's too much to read into this. I mean, Nick, did you have anything that stood out to you from this opening weekend? The Leeds Liverpool was fun. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um, West Brom is terrible, terrible. Maybe only outdone by how terrible Fulham were. <laughs> um, Scotty Parker, get it together. And man, West, I just can't see West Ham scoring any goals this year. It is, it's going to be a slog for them. So, Declan, if you hear me, um, come on, come on over. Jump now, jump now. Dan, anything that stood out to you? I was shocked that Crystal Palace won. That was probably the. <sighs> craziest thing that I, I thought could have happened I and mean, just Southampton looked ready to feast several times and couldn't get it done. So uh, yeah. congratulations, Roy, you got three points. 
Old Roy. All right. Well, hey, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. The next match for Chelsea, it's, it's Liverpool at home next Sunday. All right. Got to love a Sunday match for us Americans. Uh, what is that? 6.30 your time, Dan? 6.30 my time. Jeez. Ugh. No, it's I mean, 8.30 oh, sorry, your time. 8.30. 8.30. 8.30. 8.30, yeah. Gotcha. So mid-morning for us in the Midwest late morning for you out east uh and we'll be back with that obviously for sure we're gonna do a preview before that uh but everyone thanks for joining us a little bit of excitement first match review of the 2020-21 season uh we never left which is nice but it is good to have a match review back where we have something competitive to react to uh we're gonna have a lot of these it's gonna be a lot of fun this season so thanks for joining us as always uh dan nick you're amazing listeners you're the best part about this. So connect with us, Discord, social media, however you need to. But that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.